for downloading our latest podcast from Cathedral of Praise Church in Rockhampton. You're about to hear another message from our senior pastor, Claude Bingleton. Turning your Bibles with me to a couple of verses today and preparing ourselves for our first fruits. Firstly, in laying this foundation, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter um, uh, 12. In Romans chapter 12, the scripture says, We beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. In other words, in view of God's mercies. In a couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about how Paul divides his letters and give you an understanding that after the theological revelation that he gives of what God has done for us in the various letters, then he relates that to how we ought to live. And if on the basis of the revelation that God gives to us of what he's done for us and what that means to him and what that means to us, that is the motivation for living the way that he desires for us to live. Not only is it the motivation, but the revelation of the truth gives us the power to live the way that he wants us to live. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, he talks about doctrine. He talks about theology. In fact, he sums up the first 11 chapters like this in verse 33 of Romans 11. Oh, the depth both of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He's oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways are past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counsellor, or who has first given to him, and it should not be repaid to him. Notice that. Who has first given to him, and it shall not be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And then he begins to start with the practical areas of Christian living in chapter 12, 13, 14, 15. And if we need to understand how we ought to live and know the power and the revelation that God gives to us of himself so that we can live the way that he desires us to live in this world, even though we're not a part of it. And he says, I beseech you, therefore, in view of God's mercies, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is very reasonable, considering how rich in mercy God has been to us. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice the Bible says in the J.B. Phillips translation, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's interesting if you'd come with me to the book of Colossians chapter um, uh, uh, 1, the word of God teaches us there, um, 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 and you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. We once were enemies in our minds. You see, we have to be renewed in our minds that we might know what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. Many times people live in the wonder of God's grace, but they don't allow the Lord to renew their mind. And that way, when you know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, you know you can please him. I read a quote from Martin Luther the other day, and he said something like this. He said, I want to live a long life. I I sure do. He said, I want to live a a full life. 
But he said, in truth, I really want to live in the center of God's will. I thought that was a powerful statement. There are a lot of things that we desire, but I want to live in the center of God's will. And here it is that we once were alienated, and as the scripture says, um, alienated and enemies in our own minds. But now God in saving us because of his mercy, because of faith, he wants us not to be conformed to the world, not conformed to the world's philosophies and methodologies, but he wants us to be in his strategies. He wants us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind that we might know what that's good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Come with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and, and verse 16. And notice what it says. This is the covenant I will make with them in those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. God wants to do something about the way we think. You see, many people function on the way they feel, but your feelings are because of the way you think. Whether they're good or bad, it's because of the way you think, not the circumstances and not the events. It's how you think that's extremely important. I made a statement the other day and I haven't got it with me today. But it is that your attitude determines how you view the events of what is happening to you in life. And you've heard me say it over the years, and just in bypassing, I'll say it to you again. If you change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. Your attitude will change, and so will your behavior. It's how you think. I'm talking about because of the truth of God's word. I'm talking about because of the revelation of who he is and what he's done for us, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Come with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. In this passage of scripture, Paul uh, uh, writes to the church and he says, he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Do you know, in the world, when most people think about jealousy, it's in relationship to what benefits them. You know, in other words, I'm jealous over my wife, but I want her to be my wife and not anybody else's wife. Therefore, then I'm thinking about myself. But when there is a godly jealousy, you're not thinking about them uh, yourself. You're thinking about them and how that it will benefit them. So it's not about self. It's about others. Godly jealousy is always about others. The word of God makes it very clear to us that the spirit lusteth over us but not that he lusts that he's envious that we might go after other god he gods he lusts after us because he wants us to be greatly blessed and greatly benefited by his favor and his grace upon our lives okay i thought that was good um, um, come with me to say and then he writes here he says but i fear lest somehow He's this, he expresses his fears. I fear somehow, lest uh, as the serpent deceived Eve uh, by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that there is in Christ. The enemy has blinded the minds and, and to stop people coming to Jesus. And after we come to Jesus, remember in the context that Eve and Adam, they had wonderful fellowship with the Lord in the garden, but the Lord, came, the, Satan came to corrupt her mind, the way she was thinking. And she partook of a fruit that she shouldn't have, even though she had access to everything else. 
Isn't God gracious that even though the woman, because of a sin, and then Adam accepted what she had to offer and sent it into the whole world, it was by the woman that God brought redemption. Aren't you glad, ladies? It was by the woman that God brought redemption. The Bible says it's the seed of the woman that he would crush the serpent's head. Can't you see that God is a redemptive God? There are some, because of Eve's fall, that men would put down women that they can't be trusted. Rubbish! Some of them are more trustworthy than men. God wants to be renewed in the spirit of our mind and be renewed in the knowledge of him that we might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Turn with me in this passage of scripture that I mentioned earlier um, in relationship to our Lord and Saviour. It says in, in, in Timothy, uh, Hebrews 10 verse, 16, um, uh, verse 12, but this man after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool, I will not be under his feet. I am not his enemy. I was an enemy. I was an enemy. I was alienated in my mind by wicked works. But now my mind, because I recognise that of his mercy and his grace I'm saved and I, I, I present my body to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And I'm not conformed to the world anymore. I'm not allowing the world to squeeze me into its mould. But I'm being transformed as my mind is being renewed. Watch Satan after you're saved. He wants to corrupt your mind. Before you came to him, he wanted to blind your mind. Now he wants to corrupt your mind. What does God want to do? Turn with me to the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians chapter, um, I'll have to find it, three. Everybody say Colossians three. And I'll find the verse for you in a moment. There it is. And the Bible says, look at this in 3 verse 10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Do you know that the Bible says renewed in the knowledge of him who created him? You see, man, darkness entered upon his mind and he changed. If you read Romans 1, he turned the image of the incorruptible God to some other image. And now coming to Jesus because the wind of the Spirit blew across our lives. That is a remarkable thing. If the wind of the Spirit didn't blow, you and I couldn't be saved. You and I couldn't be saved. You and I couldn't be saved if there wasn't a divine activity of God. And you need to understand the divine activity of God has caused you to be born again. And now being born again, you present yourself to Him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. Not being conformed, not letting the world to squeeze you into its mould but being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God when I consider this and I consider that Jesus fulfilled the sacrifices for sin we now fulfill the sacrifices of adoration and thanksgiving we now fulfill the the sacrifices of gratitude and and praise don't we Come where I touched it before, because we as men and women, what, what do we do? Why we do is because we're trying to plague, plague God? Never. 
Look at, at, at Hebrews 13. It says in verse 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise is the sacrifice of adoration that we just, just out of a heart that's been redeemed, out of a heart that's experienced mercy. That's the fruit of our lips. Open your mouth wide and the Lord will fill it. That's what that means with praise in Psalm 81 verse 10. Giving thanks to his name. And then it comes with me to, to Peter and chapter 2. And it says here, coming to him, coming to him. Everybody say coming to him as a living stone. He's the living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also in coming to him are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. How wonderful is he? This is our reasonable service. When I consider why is it reasonable to offer the sacrifices of adoration? sacrifices of thanksgiving. Why is it reasonable? Because if it wasn't for his mercy and his grace, we couldn't be saved. If he wasn't mercy, he initiated it. I mean, when we consider it, I don't know what you feel, but when I think of the living God and his compassion, he forgoes what we deserve, punishment for our sin, because Christ took the punishment. Sin can't go unpunished. It would be be unjust for sin uh, to go unpunished. And so Christ took the punishment for us and gives us what we don't deserve, forgiveness and eternal life. You and I, we are full of gratitude because of his mercy and his grace. What does it say in Titus 3, 5 and 6? One of my favorite passages of scripture. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he hath abundantly poured out upon us abundantly. Do you know in my prayer language of late, I've touched a new level. I've been praying. I come and pray for you and I've been praying and I touched a new level of intercession in my own heart and life um, on Tuesday. And it's happened again this morning. And I know that there is an outpouring, an abundance of the Spirit of God. And the Bible says when we pray, we not only edify ourselves in other tongues, but we also um, intercede for others in relationship to the will of God for their lives. Can you say amen? When you give yourself to the Holy Ghost, he will take you to new, to new levels. There are new levels of anointing. Say there are new levels of anointing. If there wasn't, then Elisha could not have asked Elijah for a double portion. Who wants more? Who wants more? Do you want more? You need to then present your body as a living sacrifice before any other sacrifice. Here I am, I'm yours. You know, the thing that you've really got to give to God, the only thing that you can really give to God is yours. Everything else is, is anyway. But the only thing that you can really give to God is yours, is yourself. That's the only thing you've really got to give to God. He said, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. The whole realm of nature is his. The only thing that you and I have got to give to God is our lives. Because he gives us our own will to choose whatever it is that we want to do. And when we consider in the light of his mercy and his grace, and what does it say in, in, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4, by his grace we have been what? Saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But for his mercy and his grace. I would not be here sharing the wonder of who he is. 
Next Sunday morning is First Fruits morning. And you understand, as I've taught to you over the years, that the scripture tells us in Proverbs 3, 9, honour the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. And I promise you that your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. Remember, you have a better covenant with better promises. And this whole giving that we're on and have done for years is always with substance. Always with substance. The scripture says in 1 Samuel 2 verse 30 that if you honour me, I will honour you. And it's a wonderful thing. The key word in all of our giving is, is in relationship to honour. Can you say amen? But in relationship to honour, honour means to promote. Honour in that sense, it has weight to it. It has substance. It enriches one's life. And the key word is honour. But if you are to honour the Lord, God wants you to have an expectation. Everybody say expectation. I'm looking for my expectation list. Oh, it's clawed. Where is it? Here it is. Did you get your expectation list from last year? I opened mine with joy and I looked at them with five of them written there. Four of them have been answered. Alva, I'm, one, I'm a bit up on her. Only two of hers have been answered. Maybe she asked harder than me. Maybe she asked for more than me. But I got four of the five answered because I had an expectation. And I want you to know next Sunday morning, there's going to be two boxes here. One for the first fruits of what you're going to honour the Lord with. And the other, a list of your expectations. Now, expectations has to do with desire. Not what you want, but what you desire. And in this coming week, you need to prepare your heart and you need to be prayerful. What is it that I really desire? I don't desire a Lamborghini. I don't desire a Ferrari. I might want one. No, I don't. But I mean, I don't desire those things. What is it that I desire? And the desire is in three areas as far as the Lord is concerned, because he's interested in every, every area of your life. And he tells us that because of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, I think it's 23, that may the Lord sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. May the Lord sanctify you, make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. So in the areas that God wants to bless you in, he wants to bless you in the physical way, the material way, and the spiritual way. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. It's amazing to me how that believers have faith for, for salvation and not for anything else. When I consider the scripture of 3 John 2, the word of God tells us, Beloved, I wish above all things that you what? May prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's spirit, soul and body. Everybody say spirit, soul and body. You see, you enter a new, a new covenant relationship with God and you have many wonderful covenants but when you come to the Lord if it's faith that's going to please him it has to be faith that has an expectation it's not humility to expect nothing humility may be that I'm unworthy I'm not worthless but humility can be in that truth that I am an unprofitable servant I was reading something to two of my staff members the other day and don't take offense at this because some might but well, I was reading something and one of the great men of God, it might have been Martin Luther, he said this. He said, all we are is change in God's pockets. God can spend me any way he likes once my life is his. 
But we can, we can look at that revelation and we consider what Luther had to say and, and we might think, well, I should expect nothing. And Luther is not saying that at all. It's just that he says, I am God's vehicle to do with as he wills. And if you look at the scriptures with me in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says without faith, remember, and important for me to say this, you're not God's plaything. God loves you very much. But in, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For what? He that comes to God, what? Must believe that he is and that there is what? A rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There needs to be in your life, in your relationship with God, even when you come to the house of the Lord, there needs to be in your life and you come in believing with in, in him an expectation. Something good is going to happen to you. I have an expectation about uh, the meetings with David Sumrall. And it's building within my life of what God will do within the leadership of men and women. This man, from no question in my mind, is a true apostle. Not apostle who's given himself a name and doesn't call himself an apostle. The, the book of Ephesians, uh, Revelation, chapter 2 says, there were those who say they're apostles and you tried them and found them wanting. You don't have to try this man to see he's an apostle. I know he's an apostle. And that's why I'm bringing you, and I've got an expectation that there'll become an impartation upon the lives of leaders who come at various levels within the church of Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. It's more than being blessed. It's an expectation that God will give weight and glory of what he's going to do in their lives. But here in Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, it says here, Malachi that is, a son honors his father and a servant his master. And then if I'm a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? For you, you priests have despised my name. And yet you say, in what way have we despised? You've offered defiled food on my altar. And in what way have we defiled you? This Well, the table you reckon is contemptible. When you offer blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? You see, it is that when we come to the Lord, we honour him with the first fruits of our increase. I have no doubt in my heart, in my life, that God will bless and open the windows of heaven that those that do tithes and offerings through the year. I have no doubt about it. He will. But I have a strong sense and an anticipation. And this is my conviction. I told somebody this morning who's not on my church board and every now and then I show him, I told him what I'm going to give. I want to let him know because I'm dedicated to honouring what it is the Lord wants me to do. And I have no doubt in my mind that as I'm giving the first fruits, my first fruits to him, I have no doubt in my mind there's going to come greater favour upon my life in 2013-14 than what there'd be if I just gave my tithes and offerings. No doubt in my mind at all. Because you saw from the scripture, come with me because it's important. In Romans chapter 12, open my eyes, Lord. Everybody say, Lord, open my eyes. I talked about open your eyes to see. Look at this. It says, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. God likes you to have an expectation. In fact, an expectation in God because of what you do is something that honors him. A lot of people talk about faith 
but their faith has no expectation. A lot of people talk about faith, but their faith has no sacrifice of gratitude and adoration. A lot of people talk about faith, but really is it's just a lot of wind. It's not anything of real substance. I remember years ago, as I was preparing for this, and we've been doing first fruits since 19, I don't know, was eight, uh, 70, 70? Yeah, when did we start the school? Tell me, 89. So it was 1986 that the Lord began to speak to me. But it was, it was in the, in the early part of the 2000s, um, in single, digital, about 2008, the Lord spoke to me and said, um, um, uh, you're not We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church or to hear this message in full, you can purchase or download a copy from our website at www.copchurch.com.au.